0: So let's begin with the prayer. And what I have for the prayer is Psalm 8. O God, our ruler, how exalted is your name in all the world. Out of the mouths of infants and children, your majesty is praised above the heavens. You have set up a stronghold against your adversaries to quell the enemy and the avenger. Avenger, when I considered your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their courses. What is humankind that you should be mindful of them? The child of humankind that you should seek them out. You have made them but little lower than the angels. You adorn them with glory and honor. You give them command over the works of your hands. You put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, even the wild beasts of the field. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever walks in the paths of the sea. Oh God, our ruler, how exalted is your name in all the world. And this is taken from the inclusive language Psalter. Hook says we learn about love in childhood. So chapter two is on justice and childhood lessons. Chapter three, honesty, be true to love. And chapter nine on mutuality, the heart of love. So I'm sure you're familiar with this one. He said, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them and said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. See that you do not despise one of these little ones for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. So I'm going to pause there. Now, this one is from Matthew, but there are bits and pieces that are also in Luke um, on Jesus and his interaction with children. And considering uh, the context that he was in and how they saw children um, is the same way that women were somewhat out of the loop in the circle as well. And so I want us to reflect on this, on um, our childhoods, some sayings that you might've heard that might've celebrated children and allowed children to come to the inner circle of family gatherings, or might've hinted on excluding children from being in those those grown up spaces, you know, as they were called in my childhood, or these these spaces um, where there were people felt empowered, but children weren't empowered. So I just want to reflect on that. If you have any sayings that you might have heard or might have been a part of
1: your childhood experiences, well, certainly one of the more famous ones is "Spare the rod, spoil the child." Worsely, I did not grow up with that, but uh, I I know a lot of people did.
2: Another familiar one um, is children are to be seen and not heard.
3: So we have,
0: spare the rod, spoil the child, and children are to be seen and not heard. Do we have any that are on the other side of that? <laughs> um, as I see this, this picture of these children just all smiling and just uh, looking like they're in a safe space where they're embraced and and they can make a lot of noise. Um, I heard both of those growing up. Um, And so we we were reminded of that when we would go visit someone's home. We really were to sit quiet um, and not move, uh, not talk too loudly or to interrupt uh, the conversation of adults. And so when I reflect on this uh, reading and this passage, what Jesus says, and I remember hearing this in church. And as a child who was told you were seen and not heard, I didn't ask questions about it. What it, Does this really mean that he embraces children or is it just for the adults to behave or to be innocent or um, as humble as children? Um, and he does say this passage, this, this version, this uh, translation does say, lowly position of this child. But I remember that they are also in the context where children
1: were seen and not heard as well. I I, I was thinking, going back to your request for something positive, that there, there was a song that we all learned in Sunday school, which was Jesus loves the little children and all the little children of the world. That's a little bit more positive than the the other ones we've come up with so far. Which, which reflects from, from this reading. Yes,
0: and it, and it also talks about a diversity of children. So it's right. like all the children. Um, and and that's very interesting because we we would sing this one. We sing Jesus loves me. Um, and oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. I remember singing those as a child. And it always be in connection with this passage. But then I would hear children are seen and not heard. So it's like, how do I express this joy that <laughs> Jesus loves me? And and how children are very expressive, but we were very quiet in church. Um, especially. Um we were we were meant to be, you know, quiet in church. Um, so yes, Jesus loves the little children and all the little children.
3: Yes, Skip. I remember, you know, growing up in the church, uh, um, Having to be very quiet in church. I mean, we were like chastised if we made noise, and we had to sit quietly. But we also uh, had Sunday school, and they would they would have us at a certain point in the service leave. We would leave and go and do our kids' things in Sunday school and crafts, whatever we did. You know, making a. Uh, flour and salt uh you know a biblical house or something like this i remember doing the, those kinds of things but uh you know being separated out at the service you know and uh but there were also you know times to emulate kids or to to not to to uh celebrate their yeah their celebrate kids as guess is a better word too that they would uh, incorporate in the service and you know we also got involved as serving at the altar as acolytes as children as well so it was, it was an opportunity to be a part of the liturgy and and uh uh to learn about you know what it means and you know and uh, you know to be involved in the church that way so that was that, that was positive
1: yeah thank you well and and I mean one other thing I think a lot of us uh had our first musical education when we were part of children's choir uh, or something like that.
0: Yeah, that was fun too. Yeah, I remember we had plays <laughs> that we would do in the middle of the service. So it was our turn to kind of act out, you know, in in some way, and and be loud and kind of change the 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 atmosphere a little bit because we had to be quiet. Like Skip said, we had to be very quiet. So nice to be able to sing as loud as we wanted to, Mm -hmm. say you know things that were in the script.
3: Yeah, kids who who were making noise and babies especially would be taken out of the church. I remember that they would be taken out to the to the narthex or someplace outside. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then later on there were you know, like you know, Christmas pageants and things the kids would get involved with. It was those those were, were fun for, for, for kids, you know, to be involved in those. And as you said, the choir as well. The choir and acolytes and all, all those opportunities for kids.
4: Yeah. Those were really those are precious times now that mm-hmm. now that you mention it, I haven't mm-hmm. really reflected much um from those years. But we really mm-hmm. were st- you know, in mm-hmm. my church experience, we were celebrated. Whether yeah. it was our singing or whatever we did in Vacation Bible School, we'd get mm-hmm. our prizes. We were we were really honored in a lot of ways. So, mm-hmm. yay yeah. Baptists <laughs> <laughs> in this instance. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I grew up Episcopalian and, and, uh, we, we were, Ooh, was really quiet. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, everybody had their, their Bible, their Sunday school before church. So we had to get up Mm -hmm. early, early Mm -hmm. to have everybody did their Sunday school parents or whatever. And then we'd all be in church at the same time. And, um, so we really were um, encouraged to, to pay attention to the service. Now, at that time, only boys could be acolytes. So most of the boys yeah. were be acolytes, and they, and they were busy with that. But for uh, us girls, we were paying attention to the service, and, and we were taught that at a very young age. Like, <laughs> I followed the PCP, you know, at a young age. Now, at one point, I had to tell my brother, He'll see this. I love him. He he brought his Star Wars action figures. This is before he became an acolyte. And that's what made my mother make him an acolyte. He brought his Star Wars action figures to church. And he pulled them out of his pocket pocket and went, yeah, like that. That was it. She's like, <laughs> you're an acolyte. Um, but we did have, you know, fun memories. Um, I I think. Uh, fondest memory of being a child. And sometimes we would we would get in trouble with them, but it was with our senior members of the church. It's how we got to know them. Like they would catch us running and they would say, don't run. And then all of a sudden we, we got to know them and we built relationships with a lot of the older people in our church, um, which was kind of fun. Like, you know, at first we got, <laughs> hey, don't you run or don't you do this in church. And then we wound up, um, th- they wound up teaching us wound up getting closer with the senior members of the church and those are a lot of the people i re- I remember growing up um a lady named Mrs. Oliver. um I remember like being just really fond of her um and so I enjoyed going to church, but she made a a mean lemon cake and so I couldn't wait to have to church
5: <laughs> you know, I had the nicest experience of this this past weekend. um we had a wedding on saturday afternoon at the church and the groom went to saint james school and he's korean and um his brother was best man and he went to saint james school and they were back in the sacristy and dr george Marks was back there and he was you know getting the candles lit and everything and the boys came up to him and said Dr. Marks, do you remember us? You taught us how to be acolytes and we used to love to, you know, do this and that. And remember that time you got mad at it? I mean, they were remembering just like you said, and it was, and you could tell that he couldn't quite remember them, but I suddenly realized this gentleman has been a role model for decades, you know? And I remember one day, like about Two months ago he, i heard him fuss at one of the kids who was accolading and i thought oh why is george fussing at that kid and now i realize this is a time-honored tradition <laughs> just keeping them in line and that's kind that's okay you know they didn't forget <laughs> yeah there, you know, there's nobody fusses so
1: in a nicer kind of way than george march
5: so. oh it's an <laughs> elegant it's a it's a, a subtle and elegant <laughs> Now, now, children, you know, yeah, it's not. Well,
0: and there's sometimes sign language I've seen too, you know, (laughs) which, which works too. It just gives a point or a look and it's, and it's, and it's love, like, and it's, it's an expression of love. Um, so, so I, I remember the elders in our church, like, um, expression of love, uh, teaching you reverence for, um, all around the altar, When we would, you know, we think, wow, this is a big, beautiful place, and it has a great, great acoustics and an echo. We're going to see, you know, how far we can push it, and you know, and then the elders would say, hey, slow down. And you you get to know them, and they explain um, why why we here, why we're there, why we celebrate in the way we do, and you just learn and you respect them um, for sharing their their love for the worship space. So, love is an action, our participatory emotion. To demystify the meaning of love, the art and practice of loving, we need to use sound definitions of love when talking with children. And we also need to ensure that loving action is never tainted with abuse. So, this is hooks. So what do we say? Any thoughts here when you read these passages?
5: Well, I just found that whole the whole chapter too so powerful and distressing you know that story about the dinner party when the parents were all talking about how they disciplined their children and that one mom was saying oh I don't hit my children I just pinch them really hard and um and everyone was sort of approving of that and then and then bell hooks asks you know if a man said that that you know he when his wife did something that he didn't like, he just pinched her really hard. We'd be so scandalized, but when we talk about a child that way, it's different. And just yeah. the le- just the lessons that children are learning through our uh, speech that's violent or any kind of physical violence,
3: mm-hmm.
5: what they're learning about what they're learning about love.
1: Yeah, I I think one of the things that's good a good development in churches because uh, I I grew up in the time um, that Skip and Femi were talking about where ch- children were expected to just sit there and if there was any noise at all out you went. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of churches, and I've heard priests say this, uh, 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 when a child starts acting up or a baby starts crying, saying, you, you know, that's fine. That's what children do. Um, and and the child is welcome here because as a child, uh, now, obviously, there's some sort of fine line as as it accelerates, that uh, when uh, you can't hear anything because the child is screaming so loudly, then then that doesn't work. But uh, you know, for ch- for children to make noises or wander around a little bit, that's what children do. And and I think if they're permitted to stay, uh, that's really more of a loving action than just you know essentially kicking them out. So as I said, I I see a whole lot more of that now than I did when I was growing up.
0: Yeah, you know, we you get walked to the back or, you know, outside for a little while. Um, I remember um that happening, but then, um, there's there's somewhat um. There's some there's some joy in hearing the voices of babies, or children in church, or where they feel comfortable that they can participate. Um, and we've had so many baptisms recently, and and I love that they were like all 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 ages, um, but that the you know the ba- the children had certain responses to the baptisms, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> someone so there was, was like no response. you're not gonna mess up my hair you know someone was <laughs> or um you know and I've seen one where uh this baby started putting water on themselves so the priest put the water <laughs> on the baby and the baby liked it and started laughing and putting more water and splashing um but you never know what how kids are going to respond to the service and and I realized that oh this is fun they're they're uh, enjoying the space and and church has always been home for me. It always felt like that's a place where uh, I feel when I walk into a church, I just feel like that's home, and um, and it comes from some way somewhere in my childhood um, being made to feel like you can be yourself here. And so I just think that that's you know just to kind of let the children come, laugh. Um, they like the echo, <laughs> you know, and they hear the voices with the echo. Hmm. but um hooks has some powerful words here and and i and i uh really love how she brought in leave it to beaver and and then she was talking about the modern uh shows and how we celebrate kids you know where children are kind of um there's a whole disrespect kind of thing happening in the in the household we have all these sitcoms like that and you have some where they actually show parents Sitting down and talking through uh, something. And I remember Beaver and even Dennis the Menace, I remember those type of talks um, happening where you saw the parent actually sit down and talk. Um, and that and that kind of was very interesting for me to see. And I was a kid when I saw that was like, wow. So She brings this up because she heard this in her childhood. It hurts me more than it hurts you. Or it's gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. And love is defined to children via the acts of adults around them. And so um, I use this image, but it's not quite the same, but I wonder what Isaac was thinking. We tend to look at what Abraham was thinking but I wonder what Isaac was thinking, if I could go through the eyes of the child. He did ask questions about, you know, where is the sacrifice gonna come from? But I wondered, did it come to that point, as the picture suggests? And just what was he thinking as a child? So just put this image up there. Um, and I see a lot of people like, what? Hooks talks about being spanked and hearing her parents say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I know Abraham was hurting from this. He didn't want this to happen. So we're just supposing that Isaac knew the whole story was Isaac guessing?
4: I hope God somehow intervened in some way sent some grace to Isaac because that that boy he would have needed therapy. and it's and I have a hard time reconciling that. I mean I have for some time. You know, it's a it's it's one thing to put Abraham to the test, but um, you know, and this is one of those times that you just realize you can't outguess God's purpose. But it's just hard; it's a hard one for me.
1: Oh, my suspicion—he was absolutely terrified, uh, and and I agree. He probably spent years on post traumatic stress syndrome as a result of this. And who knows, maybe it affected the rest of the story when when you deal with it as an adult uh, later on in the scripture.
4: Well, I can look at things that happened to me when I was young that you know, that felt traumatic. And now, of course, I can look back and see what was really going on. It was, you know, it wasn't as big a deal really as it felt, or, you know, yes, my, you know, this parent or that parent was trying something different or, you know, in that moment, you know, their emotions were greater than their intellect or or however that worked. But um, nothing like that. It's just... And of course, then there, the, you know, the children, this is, you know, as far as we know, this is a one-off sort of thing. It happened once to him, but I think of the children who are repeatedly traumatized and they can see it coming and they know it's going to happen again. And so, I don't know, that's, but yeah, this hurts my heart, it really does. I can only think about it so much. And, and, and,
0: and, I agree, Nancy, like that would always, um, uh, trigger me to go, but what is Isaac thinking? Like, I know he asked some questions, but like, what is he feeling? He's a boy. Um, and, you know, we know Abraham was really horrified himself, but it was just, you know, children, um i was looking for stories from the child's perspective in biblical passages like where they feel afraid uh where they feel traumatized and i and i and i will research to see how this might have impacted isaac up up the road and maybe his his sense of trust or um his engagement with his children you know it's like perhaps So this is something to think about, like um, we missed that part of the story, like how did it impact his feelings, yeah. Thank you for sharing. So um, some children, she says, are allowed to believe that love is only about something given to them. And I was like, wow. because I've read this book a few times and and um, she was in that particular passage, she was uh, recalling a child saying, my, my mom loves me because they give me this or they do this for me and they do that. And it's what's given to them, uh, what they can get or what they receive, right? And they feel love, but then they're not taught. Uh, and she says that that's a form of neglect when they're not taught how to give and how to love. And so this giving and receiving in action or uh just good feelings. And so I just played with these images if they're giving and receiving is two boys like kind of sharing pieces of their lunch and uh these two siblings sharing a shake. Um and then uh of course the siblings fighting over a toy. That's something I'm more familiar with. <laughs> uh I had a brother and we and also with my cousin, we we loved, uh, you know, the same toy um, or the same bike or the same something. And it would happen like this. Um, But then I try to imagine uh, the good feelings uh, as love. And I mean, Hooks has gone back and forth with that one, like this love being a feeling. I think last week we talked about that um, when people fall in love. And the feeling of um, being, you know, being in love, more than the choice. I think how was it worded? I think um, Kate had said it. I I am willing. I choose to love. But she was saying that as she was um, saying, as you in, you start a relationship. So um, some good feeling models. Like I tried to find images about good feeling. Um, and love making us feel special and fluffy and <laughs> like cotton candy. <laughs> we did talk about some some uh, romance stories and so any thoughts on those those passages with hooks? And when is it, um, because I often I often think about, when she says some children are allowed to believe that love is only about something given to them, but we do have certain practices that happen in our culture where we are giving things to children. Um, and And, and I, you know, I'm trying to think about like how was how it modeled? for me to practice giving to others. But I remember when birthdays came, our our minds would just be all over the place about the stuff we might get. Um, And the same thing with Christmas. And so I wondered where in my life, the model for practicing like giving And celebrating that, as she says, like giving is a celebration. Where was that model as a child that we actually celebrated as giving something?
4: You know how they do birthday parties these days because my nephew's just turning 11 and so, and all, all of his friends turn the same age within like two weeks of each other. But um, something that's different these days is they all have presents. The birthday kid has presents for all of the other kids mm-hmm. and they send them home with these bags of things and they don't open presents at the party. That's something else that at least in this 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 gang of kids mm-hmm. um, they, and uh, and one of the lovely things, my nephew and two of his friends just went for their birthday party. They went to Knott's Berry Farm and my sister overheard one of them saying, well, we should. He didn't want to go on one ride, uh, so he hung out with my sister, you know, on the bench. And she said, "We'll make sure that the next time they pick a ride that you want to go on." And he said, "Well, it's really it's Eric's birthday, so it should be up to him." And I, that I don't know if as a kid I would have somebody somebody taught them, and uh, I think it's beautiful. And and I guess while I have the microphone, I'll say <laughs> that sometimes in in church uh, the church where I have spent a lot of time. There was a, a children's time in the service. And there were quite a few times that you know it was Thanksgiving and and whoever was leading that time they'd say something like, Well, you know, what are you thankful for? And it's like, oh my toys or or if it's Mother's Day, you know, what are you what are you, you know, what does your mother do for you? and some said she feeds me and she helps me with my homework and it's yeah that's good good kid and others say that she gives me things she and it's like you know these are i think as as children develop hopefully they they're led to appreciate and understand what some of these you know what the difference is um you know it's it's not just about punishment mommy Is mad at me, and mommy doesn't like you know. In the, in the ideal homes, or the you know close to ideal homes, striving for the ideal homes, but I just think it's it's such a huge picture of educating and, you know, just teaching and uh, and raising kids from all from all ends, from all areas. Yeah. Thanks. I, I remember
0: um there's a older boy that lived in our neighborhood and he it he wasn't he wasn't that much older than us he maybe was a year or two older than us but he spoke like a sage he's like a- <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we were talking about uh going to get something and he he kind of just had this like mystic thing. I wonder where he is now because he's like this mystic in the neighborhood. And he, he said, you know, it's it's better to give than to receive. And I remember we all paused because we were so used to hearing that in church and not hearing it come from like a 10-year-old mm-hmm. boy that we were, you know, playing with in the neighborhood. And we paused and then we were, you know, I remember thinking like, well, what do I ha- what do I have to give? Like I I would like to give something, but don't have any. I remember thinking about that, that like, what can I give to my friends and, you know, how can I share and, you know, how can, you know, so I think sometimes there are some kids that may want to give and they're trying to figure out like what that means and how to give. Um, I, I know that most kids, because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have a job, <laughs> you don't have money. So we would draw pictures um, I remember I would make cards,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I I, I remember I, hearing I, that from a kid. That kind of blew my mind. <laughs> well, I, I I was thinking, you know, every gift is not a tangible gift. I mean, it's uh, I I think the example you gave of making cards is good, but it's it's helping somebody out, um, maybe helping somebody with their homework that they couldn't help. Uh, or helping with chores, uh, and that would shock your parents if you actually volunteered to wash the dishes or something like that. Um, so true. But I I, 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 was thinking, you know, lo- looking at um, the last couple of slides, I, I, I was thinking of the very controversial passage from James. The Epistle of James about faith without works is dead, <clears throat> and I think the same thing is true about love. This is why I'm not a, a Lutheran because Martin Luther hated that. But uh, but you know it, it. You know it's one thing to say you know, I have nice warm fuzzy feelings uh, about somebody, uh, but unless you're really showing it by what you're doing,
4: it,
1: you know you have to do something. Uh, uh, about it or it doesn't really make any difference I don't think
0: uh comfort I, I can you hear me yes, yes.
6: oh <laughs> okay I know it has been hard because uh yeah uh You know, I was going back to the one you were talking about, uh, the first one um, I'm trying to remember about, it hurts me more than you. And I was relating that to myself because what I understood from that is that, for instance, when we discipline our children, or let's say when I was growing up, and you know my children were small, and you spank them, they'll be—they might start crying. But I go inside the bedroom and I cry so much because it hurts me more <laughs> that I did that to them. You know, it tells me I always close my door and I cry and I cry inside. But I'm thinking if I leave them and and I don't discipline them, they're going to grow up to be bad children. So that's the way I understood that. And and that's what I was trying, but I don't think anyone could hear me. Hmm.
0: Thank you. I'm, I'm glad we can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, I remember hearing that, but then, you know, we know, know the parent side of it, like the parent went in the room crying, you know, and she said this was said to her numerous times, but, uh, you know, she didn't know if the parents were just saying that, or they really meant, you know, that they really felt it. And so, yeah, there's some parents that it's really, it's it's real and it's true to them. And, and for hooks, like she says, there's some that they may just, you know, say it. We don't know. So let's see, Let me another one. I'm trying to find my mouse. It's very, because it's white on white here. It is,
5: okay,
0: there we go. Um. <laughs> okay. So uh Kathy Bates <laughs> in uh fried green tomatoes if I
1: can help. So-
2: out here all day.
0: If I can show somebody
5: that traveling,
2: traveling
3: oh. <laughs> not
0: Excuse me, Uh, I was waiting for that space. Yeah? Look! Face it, lady, we're younger
7: and faster.
0: that's from one of my favorite movies and I actually have the book, Um, but Kathy Bates plays this character, Evelyn, who's just like in this process of loving herself and through the story of Itchy Threadgood, she she comes to like feel empowered. So this whole process of self-love that we talked about last week and a lot of that uh, learning how to love ourselves and you know, the song, The Greatest Love of All, kind of talks about that, talks about children being the future, the song, the lyrics by Linda Creed. It's reflecting on how we learn to love ourselves as children, right? How love is uh, defined and uh, modeled through people around us, or uh, how we're taught to embrace and stand up for ourselves. Um, One thing that stood out to me when she says, those of us who were wounded in childhood uh, often were shamed and humiliated when we expressed hurt, mm-hmm. and so I thought about this character because she had a very hard time. If you see in the earlier parts of that film, when other people cut her off at you know Win Dixie, I'm from the south, so I know Win Dixie very well. <laughs> um, they would cut her off at Win Dixie, and she wouldn't even speak out. She goes, "Well, you know that was unfair," and then they would you go off on her, and she didn't know how to hold her space um, with love and say. I felt that, you know, you mistreated me or that hurt. Um, She even had that issue with her husband in in this uh, film. And she started to process that, to learn to process self-love. So she goes all out here because she's still in her feelings. Um, She's still working with the good feelings of self-love and the bad feelings of it, rather than uh, knowing how to choose how to do this actualization this empowerment the standing up right maybe knowing how to love herself and move on to another parking space but I mean just the the fact that she did say hey I was gonna I was gonna park there um just that's enough and there's there's so many of us <laughs> who might have experienced that um someone just scoots right into a parking space that you might have been waiting for all day or uh scoots into a line. That you were in for a while, and um, you know, are we taught as children to say, "Hey, that that space I, that was for me, or I was waiting for that"? Um, any examples of you know how to stand up for yourself as a child? Did anybody have that talk, or someone give them a talk about? <laughs> Talk about what? About like when you were bullied or um, just just setting boundaries. Um, I think a lot of times with children who were physically abused, um, and as Hooks talks about that too, where their space and their physical body, you know, didn't have boundaries with the, the adults around them or their siblings, um, they have a difficult time making boundaries when they grow up or when they go outside of their home. And it's like, does anyone recall having someone in their life like model, it is a boundary. And you know you could tell the bully, this, this, and this, or if it's not a bully, it's just a friend who doesn't see your boundaries. I'm sorry, Brenda, you said something?
7: Or oh, Nicole, hi. Hi. Well, I was not, um, definitely didn't come from my parent, uh, but I do recall going to school and being taught that if anyone touches my body and what is an appropriate and inappropriate touch that I should tell an adult. Um, I was not, but I will say, I was not taught to say no. I was not, so I I guess I was not taught now that I think about it, because I wasn't taught to ever say, you tell an adult or you tell whoever that person is who's touching your body to say, you tell them, no, you're not supposed to do this, or I don't like this. But I was taught to speak up, to talk to an adult. So um, I don't know if that's in the lines of um, being taught a boundary, you know, so I'm I'm not sure. Uh, but because now that I'm saying it out loud, I, I guess I wasn't, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it's very interesting today, like when I, I teach a school, that we have these things in place um, where we, we're talking with children, like someone touches you, or whether even if it's an adult, you know, or uh, another child touches you, and in that, and you don't want to be touched. There, or they're invading your space, or they come over and they touch your desk. Um, I say that with with my students, like, well, see, uh, other students will just want to touch this other student's desk, want to touch their pencils, want to touch, and where the student will just say, hey, this is my desk. Do not touch my desk. You know, ask me, this is my desk. Um, I didn't have that in school, and I remember that uh, I always had this thing as I wear my hair pulled back, but when I wear my hair out, uh, child, other children always love to touch my hair. And that's, um, you know, it was really difficult too because I was uh, one of five students of color in the whole elementary school. So that had other implications as well, like just not, like mm-hmm. they could walk up to you and pet you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that not being, you know, uh, uh, enforced by uh uh, you know people in, in in spaces of authority, a teacher or someone. So I had to I had to learn how to do that like I have have this aunt who would always have these talks to me about like this is your value. you tell people no and and we she would model that um so that's what I mean. like that's really important um to children as well. Like they're not walls, uh, as people would say, but just saying, you know, you cannot touch me appropriately or push me or shove me, steal my lunch money,
7: those type of things. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think now back to my niece who's five and I remember her being about three or so and touching her. She says, you can't touch my body. I don't want you touching my body. I wasn't, I was, I, I, maybe it was an arm or a shoulder or something, but, you know, I'm very happy to say that her mom has definitely taught her boundaries. Um, she obviously, d- d- it wasn't very clear because I guess she taught her that anyone who touches you, <laughs> you say, don't touch, cause she would say these things and she was very loud about it. And it was, you know, it's like, okay, don't <laughs> like like, okay, I get it, Zola. I, I won't <laughs> or, or she'll say, yeah, or definitely she was even, cause I think now she's even, although she uses it to her advantage, she'll say, No, I don't want to clean up. I don't I don't I don't want to clean up. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like to clean up. And so um yeah, um, so yeah, I definitely was not taught that. And when you speak of being your hair being touched. I can't think of any specifically African-American or mixed race in individual who has not had that, who's a specifically a girl, but anyone who has not had that experience because mm-hmm. even in adulthood, I've had that where now I'm learning to say, uh, I don't necessarily say don't touch my hair, but I just go like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I just kind of do that. But it, it's interesting because even as an adult, I, I, I guess I do struggle with saying "don't touch my hair," because I don't want to be perceived as being rude or mean or 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 you know or or um or anything negative, right? But, um, yeah, that's very interesting.
0: Yeah, and and you know remember too, people saying no. Um, you know, there's other there's connotations with that, right? So there's there's stereotypes and tropes um, when you're when you're a black woman that says no and has boundaries, right? So then there's the the backlash of that. But you know, like I, like you said, and even in adulthood, like people just reaching my hair, <laughs> and you know, and I have to say with laughter, it's like wow, that's my hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of my body, you know.
5: Um, but- I remember being when I was pregnant. People oh. that I didn't even know would touch my belly. Mm-hmm. It always astounded me that somebody would touch me like that. It was like public property suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
0: those little, so, and I've seen that too. where I'm walking with her friends pregnant and someone just, oh, they just, just grab onto her belly. Um, <laughs> and so it's, those boundaries. Um, and 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 how do you 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 say no that's my body and and people do respond like they're in shock <laughs> but but the thought is like wow that's another person's body and 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 showing respecting people's boundaries is a way that we show love too um because there's there's something that does hurt when people touch you without your consent Permission. Yeah, your permission. You just really feel hurt, and it does something to your value. Like, am I, you know, am an object, and and so you know, a lot of that, I, I see that it is hooks has pointed out too. We could trace it back to our childhood. Um, we're not taught as readily how to say no.
1: I, I, I'm sort of curious, um, and since Skip is the only other guy on. <laughs> Here, wh- whether there's a difference in what, what little girls are taught and what little boys are taught. Uh, uh, and because I'm not a little girl, I don't know what the talk was, but but most women I know uh seem to have had talks probably by their mothers on how to handle boundary mm. kind of things. Maybe probably not all girls, but but a lot of girls did. And, and I sort of gather from the comments that that there were relatives when you all were growing up that were, but I don't think that was really true for boys. Uh, um, and, and, and boys got put in a, in a position, particularly if they were bullied, uh, that there was no way of, of, of handling that because you could not cry. Uh, because uh, if you, you cried, you were just a little girl. Mm. Um, um, and if you hit back, uh, if you hit, that then it was equally your fault or even more your fault because you shouldn't you shouldn't have hit back, um, and um, and so if you were bullied at a little boy as a little boy you were never really taught how you handled that.
5: You know we have And a I ped- certainly
1: never had a talk about how to deal with that. And Skip, I don't know if you did either.
5: You know we have a pediatrician on this call too. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an expert. What, I mean, I'd be really curious to hear what you, you know, have.
0: Children, yeah,
5: Brenda, and if it's different.
0: <laughs> well, I I think that I'm
2: the pediatrician for oh, those okay. of, for those of you that don't know me. Um, but I think that it's been clearly um, uh, identified that boys and girls are treated by their parents differently, mm-hmm. um, based on their sex, and. A lot of it is just implicit bias. The parent isn't even aware that they are, in fact, acting in this way. And so that it takes a parent who's conscious of that to say, "Okay, I'm going to teach both of my children how to set boundaries that my daughter can't get bullied and my son can't get bullied. And one of the ways is to teach children how to say no and how to go to an adult to stop it. So that um, there's a fear around and a shame around being bullied and the child, if the child hasn't been empowered with, you can go and tell an adult, will succumb to the bully. And so what we try to teach children, or at least one of the things that, that we try to teach children is that it's okay for you to stand up for yourself and for you to tell an adult. So that hopefully the adult can separate the kids or, you know, met out a punishment for the bully or have the bully expelled, whatever needs to happen. But then it's not the child's responsibility to fend off this person that they're not equipped to fend off. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you talk about hair in the African American community, I think both boys and girls have had their hair touched inappropriately. And um, part of it is curiosity. Our hair looks different. We don't have straight, generally speaking, we don't have straight flowing hair. Instead, we have a more textured variety. And so people see that and they say, oh, this is different from what I have because a lot of times the touching is by people who are not of the same race. A black child isn't necessarily gonna touch another black child's hair.
1: So I, I think one of the great endearing moments of President Obama's presidency was when he was in the Oval Office and there was a little boy who was African-American who was about six mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you may have seen the clip of, of, of this. And, 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 and the boy did ask, but he said, can I touch your hair? Uh-huh. Uh, and it was obviously. Uh, it, it, does the president have the same kind of hair that I have? Yes. It yes. was really a, a really wonderful moment. Yeah, it was a wonderful moment. Yeah.
0: And and that's actually a moment that Bell Hooks love. She she mentions that in a talk that she has with Cornell West, and she was saying that the the little boy was so you know it was just just uh enthralled by President Obama, and he was like. Does he have the same hair? Can I touch it? And she yeah. thought that was such a moving moment um, be, because someone with our hair, you know? So um, we're about to close, but um, there's some, sorry, alarm going off. Um, some statements that Hooks has made here um, about love not prevailing in any situation where uh, a party wants to maintain control. So she talks about love and not being about control. Um, and these are just statements that I thought were takeaways from these this week's readings, um, and just want you to think about what are some takeaways for you. But this really touches my heart when she says about control and love, um, because I've I've seen uh, situations where people will say they love you, but it's more to control <laughs> a situation, <laughs> um, and and so they say, but I love you, but it's more. I want to navigate the show. Um, So just think about takeaways. And of course, here are our love
4: ingredients,
0: commitment, care, knowledge, respect, responsibility, affection, and trust. And she always thinks of uh, love, even she talked about with children, about justice um, for children. And this intimate terror that children might experience and how that pours out into our relationships with others. Um, But she says, the moment we choose a love, we begin to move against domination and against oppression. And that's once again, releasing, relinquishing this need for control that masquerades as love. Um, Choosing to be honest is the first step in the process of love. And there is a, no practitioner of love who deceives. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. And, the and then finally, here we are. So, appetizing, appetizing love practices and definitions related to childhood. And so when I say um, this, I think about the first word, the first letter in the alphabet, and I would say affirmation or affirming. Um, and I remember that I have aunts um, because of how my family is. There's so many siblings in in my mother's generation, and even amongst her cousins, that I have some cousins and some aunts that are only a few years older than myself. And like I have a cousin who's actually my grandfather's first cousin, but she is one year older than me. Mm. And um, she really was like a big sister. And so there were a lot of things about boundaries. And so I got some, some affirmations from my cousins. Um, and so I just go through the alphabet about like some practices and things that help define love. And then the second one would be boundaries. Um, and then this compassion, like to learn compassion, to give that. So this is a practice and things to think about for next week. Um, we will look at love cast out fear. So we'll be describing and defining fear um, next week. And chapters six, seven and eight. We're going in order this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. This time we're going in order, and next week we'll be in in, in order um, as we go into healing and you know? all. But any questions before we move forward? Any comments? Um, any thoughts
7: to share? I I do have a a, a comment. I wonder what bell hooks would um, say um, in the the clip you showed us with the rotten um, rotten um. Oh God, I, I forgot the title. Right. <laughs> Fried tomatoes. Fried fried green tomatoes. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know why I'm saying rotten. I'm going to say (laughs) rotten green tomatoes. Fried green tomatoes when she's um, crashing or hitting those cars Um, because that's to be considered, I mean, some sort of violence. I just wonder what she would say (laughs) regarding how she would, yeah, equate that or even what parallels she would see that with love or I, I just, I'm just curious. So it was just, that's my. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's
0: why I brought that that clip in, in here, because I, there's some things that films that Hooks has commented on. And I'm like, how did she miss this one? Because a lot of what she wrote on in this book is featured in that film. I don't know how many people have seen it, but it's a, it's a wonderful film about four uh, women um, two and living in a different time and one of them is retelling a story to Kathy Bates character while while she visits her in um, in a, a retirement home and uh, they mm-hmm. become their friends. She just visits her uh, from time to time and so it's about these women living in a time where there's segregation um, there's a lot of you know oppression with Jim Crow there's also uh um, uh, domestic violence in it as well, and so you have uh, Itchy Threadgood, um, who is this uh, woman who's not doing the typical things? She's not doing normative things, and she is very much what we used to use the term tomboy um, back in the day. Uh, but she is definitely someone who just goes against what uh, people say is ladylike, and you know those kind of terms I used to hear growing up when I when I wanted to climb a tree or jump in the pool. <laughs> I would say that's not ladylike, and so she does those type of things. And so uh, I wonder what Hooks would say, you know, because this woman is acting violently towards that that VW um, and acting out in some ways. And I wonder what she would say about the domestic violence that's in it as well.
1: But
0: but didn't she say in one of those little clips that you wrote, um,
2: "Love is not tainted with abuse"? Yeah. Whether it's an abuse of a person or abuse of a car. Yeah. That her self love needs is a
0: work in progress. She's. Yeah. That's what I was saying. It's a work in progress because she, 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 how she responds to her husband, too. Like, you know, she, this lady was making fried chicken dinners for him like every day, like full on Sunday dinners. And he would take the plate and go sit in front of the TV, right? Sit at the table with her. And she would voice her pain and he wouldn't hear it. And so there was one clip where he, he comes home and she has like four pieces of <laughs> uh vegetables sitting on the, <laughs> on the table, And she's on this, uh, you know, she's exercising and just going in, in her own little world singing, stop in the name of love. And so her, you know, and sometimes when we're trying to get ourselves back, we will act
3: mm-hmm.
0: in, in abusive ways, like to get ourselves back. So that's the process. So I'm pretty sure she would call that out as abuse.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That that's not really self love. But that's all for now. Um, Wonderful! Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. See you next week. Good night. Good night, okay. to everybody. Thank
6: bye you, bye everyone.
5: We love you. <laughs> <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>